0: True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast.
1: The Ostrich Inn in Slough, just outside of London, England, has seen its fair share of spooky happenings in its 800-year history most famously the murders that were allegedly committed in the 17th century by the then-landlord Mr Jarman and his wife, who came upon a very profitable way of making extra income. Join us this week as we go back to
2: England to examine the case of the infamous Ostrich Inn. Murder,
1: thievery, highwaymen, it has it all. Hi, I'm Anne. And I'm Renata. And it's time to dig deep into history once again in this episode of True Hauntings.
0: Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the centre of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
2: Hey, Renata, how are you feeling, girlfriend? Oh, I oh. <coughs> oh, just Just to punch at home there, have another hack.
1: <coughs> <laughs> I am getting better. I am getting better. Um, it was two weeks of absolute misery with some sort of viral infection or something that it was. They said it could possibly be a bit of a pneumonia, but, you know, whatever it was, laid me flat for two weeks and yeah. I was... Worth nothing.
2: Yeah, it was pneumonia, trust me. The mm. way you were coughing and hacking and carrying on, um, that was pneumonia. And you even had the, the spots on the x-rays show up. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. At least it wasn't Miss Rona. We don't want Miss well, Rona.
1: That's what they were worried about. They were sort of saying that, you know, anything that becomes a spot, um, needs to be looked at as a, a possible blood clot. Ooh. Because, you know, I'm of that age. You are of that age. Where You're ancient. Can, where things could happen. Things fall off, That's break right. off, snap off, and never come <laughs> back again. I'm worried you might have a fall. <laughs> I'll oh. put a hip out and be out to pasture after that.
2: <laughs> Slip a hip—that's okay. We can still get a microphone in in front of you, even that's if you're it. lying in a field, half dead. I'll just pop that microphone on the side and say, Renato, it's true hauntings time. Let's go!" Right? I'll be right. And then we'll get. A <coughs>
1: That's uh, true. Oh, what else has been happening?
2: Oh, well, dear old Rona has raised her head oh. and um, because of that, we've had tours cancelled left, right and centre. Yeah. We, <coughs> no, think you. Sorry. We are, um, we are out of the Greater Sydney area and we, we did get locked down for those two weeks because we were in the Blue Mountains for holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, but no Rona for us. Uh, luckily, we're in the Newcastle-Hunter region mm-hmm. um, but we still We'll all have to be wearing masks, and a lot of the places that we do tours at are very nervous mm-hmm. and have cancelled. And fair enough, um,
1: but yeah, it doesn't help when that's your only source of income, does it? That's true. And I had this poor lady uh, email me this morning, going, "Are there any tickets available for Dubbo?" on how many times have i put it up on oh, no you've tried tried and <laughs> on tried. facebook um and now how many times have i put it up saying it's cancelled yeah and um yeah but if anyone wants to support, support
2: us on our patreon account we actually do have a patreon account if you love what we do um pop over there the the one i really strongly uh, advise and it's not just because it's the highest here is the grand Pooh Bars, because that's where all the fun and the shenanigans happen in uh that particular group but uh Look up Anne and Renata, Frightfully Good, on Patreon and join, feel free to join our family. Mm. Um, any donations there are gratefully accepted at this stage <laughs> of our lives.
1: Oh, uh, and, look, people are saying at the moment that, you know, it, one month can either mean uh, survival or closure yeah. for businesses. And many businesses, not only the ones that we run, are at that point where, if you don't support in some way, um, we it's it's like the last the last straw that breaks a camel's back. Yeah. We're feeling that we're doing this for nothing. I'm so. buying
2: online with all the smaller stores at the moment that yes. I can buy my food from and getting it delivered. Yeah. And it's costing me a little bit more, but I know that it's gonna keep that family going a bit longer. Yeah. So
1: yeah. That's I'm doing my
2: bit. I ordered wine the other day, but it's
1: gonna help. <laughs> <laughs> that will help. <laughs>
2: I do like my and Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Sauvignon Blanc.
1: <laughs> but at the moment we can't go anywhere really. Can't do much um, other than... Um Entertaining everyone with some lives, yeah, I think, and yeah. and you know, just, although we just can being... we
2: can run some things on the Australian School of Ghost Hunting. Yes, we can. We'll, we'll pop some courses up there, and uh, if you can't watch live when we do the live ones, you can watch them later, mm. so you don't feel like you have to be there for the live. But the live is where we're, we'll answer the questions as you ask, etc. But let's get on with today's show. Let's. I started my tour alone walking out of the Elizabethan room the next room I entered was a small bar behind it the lights were off I cast my eyes around and after a short while left the room next I entered the room next door the blue room this was just before 11.05pm and again the lights were off As I stood inside, my face started to flush and tingle and I sensed such an oppressive feeling of hostility and discomfort growing on me that I could not bear to stay in the room and made a hasty exit. As I left, I shuddered violently and shook, but once I went back into the corridor again, I felt fine. Later, I returned to the room a couple of times, once with a similar result, and then on an occasion when others were in there and the atmosphere seemed less thick. On the fourth approach, when the room was empty and in darkness, I noted the following in the report. This time, however, I approached it alone and stood outside the door, peering into the darkened room. As I stood there, I suddenly felt such a strong sense that something within the room was dashing out towards me from around the corner that I started and rather unprofessionally ran off. At 1.30am, having told this to no one... I was talking with a fellow investigator, Jean, in the bar downstairs, who said that she had sensed a very oppressive atmosphere in an upstairs room and described it as the room that pushes you out. It turned out to be the blue
1: room. The most exciting thing about this particular story is that we have been to the Ostrich Inn. Yes, we have twice. Twice. Oh, we went back for a second time because it was so good. We did. And it's one of those places that we really enjoy going into because parts of it still remain very much like the original. Mm -hmm. So you have these rickety stairs heading up into these tiny little rooms where no wall is straight <laughs> and the same height and the ceilings can be buckling and it just is has this romantic feeling for people like us who are not accustomed to buildings like that yeah. living in Australia.
2: Yeah, and it's got the beautiful whitewashed walls and exposed wooden beams. Yes. Oh, it's glorious. Yes. I mean, didn't we we stumble upon it um because we Arrived in London a day early because my my um, time changes weren't very good at <laughs> when I was trying to work out when we were going to arrive. Oops! Yes, and um, we were looking for places to visit, and mm-hmm. you found it. Mm-hmm. So we just popped in, mm-hmm. and we said
1: we're going to come back here one day and stay. Mm-hmm. And we did, and we did, and that's a story in itself. That is. <laughs> we'll save that for later. <laughs> But as with all of these stories that we are finding and really digging into, there is more to it than meets the eye and often it's a little bit upsetting by the time you've finished Mm. because it it kind of doesn't turn out to be what you'd hoped it would be. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. Because I love the Ostrich Inn. It is a glorious little place Mm -hmm. in a glorious little village but... Well, let's just get into the story. Let's get into it. Yep. So um, I'm going to read a little bit about the history here. And uh, this comes from a book that I found online, Mm -hmm. which is all about the old inns in England. And it's very descriptive. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read some of the information that is about the ostrich inn in Colnbrook. Romance, as we have already seen, was enacted in many ways in the inns of long ago. Love and hatred, comedy and tragedy, and all the varied moods by which human beings are swayed, have had their part beneath the roofs of the old hostelries, as how could they fail to do in those times when the inn was so essential and intimate a part of national life? The romantic incidents in which old inns have their part are in two great divisions, that of old folklore and the other of real life. To the realm of folk tales belongs a story told of an ancient hostelry that stood on the site of the ostrich in Colnbrook.
2: I just, I love the name Colnbrook. You know how Australians, we go, yeah, Coln. We actually mean Colin. (laughs) Colin Carpenter. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Coln. We had a a comedy character called (laughs) Coln Carpenter.
1: Very Australian. (laughs) Colnbrook. So the decaying coaching town of Colnbrook in Middlesex, 17 miles from Hyde Park Corner on the Great Road to Bath, is little changed from the time when the coaches ceased running through it 70 years ago. Collinbrook is perhaps the best illustration of a coaching town ruined by railways that it is possible to discover, and certainly the nearest to London. How great its fall since those prosperous days in the 1550s when it was incorporated as a market town. Its charter was renewed in 1632, and judging from the many houses in its narrow street built about 1700 to 1750, the prosperity of the place survived unimpaired for certainly considerably more than over a century. It is now merely a village, but as a result of its former highway importance, still a place of inns. There are at least 10 even now surviving and it is quite safe to assume that any important looking old house, now in private occupation, facing the long thoroughfare was once a hostelry. The oldest and most interesting building in Collinbrook is the Ostrich Inn, whose long gabled timber and plaster front is picturesque, rambling, And shabby outside. It is beautifully maintained. It is beautifully, yes. Whoever has taken it over has just done a beautiful job. And the food was good too. Yes. Because it's all about the food. The present ostrich is the successor of a much more ancient inn. There have been, in fact, several inns on this site. The first appears to have been a guest house or a hospice. Founded by one Milo Crispin and given in 1106 wow. in trust to the Abbey of Abingdon. Abingdon? Abingdon? <laughs> for feet the, in, for the good of travellers in this world and the salvation of his soul in the next.
2: Oh, okay. So he was building a uh, hospice place so that he could get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Good mm-hmm. Old.
1: It would seem to be from this circumstance that the inn obtained its name, for it was earlier known as the Osbridge, a kind of orthographic halfway house between a former hospice and the present ostrich.
2: Oh, so that's how they got the name ostrich, do you reckon?
1: Well, that's one of the theories. Yeah. One of the theories.
2: Because the ostrich is not a bird that's associated with England (laughs) around that time frame. (laughs) No,
1: no. Now, while I was researching, one of the issues that I had here was with the dates Mm -hmm. and the reason we're talking about the Ostrich Inn is, number one, we were there, which makes it terribly important. Yep, yep. (laughs) And number two, there is a great story associated with the inn. There is. And about murders that occurred Mm -hmm. within the place. The problem is that all the documentation you find Tells you different dates about when these murders happened. Yes. Like we found that out even like we're doing our little intro and the intro
2: said that the the murders had happened in the...
1: 13th century? Yeah. And I'm going, I'm sure it's not the 13th century. And they've looked it up. We found four different centuries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we found right at the very beginning, which this particular article says, uh, not 50 years after the hospice was given to Abington Abbey, these murders occurred. So that's probably the earliest mm-hmm. mention. Then we go to the thirteenth um, century, the sixteenth century, seventeenth century. So take a pick. All right. Well, let's
2: let's tell us what the murders were about and mm-hmm. and and who allegedly did all this stuff and and we'll we'll go from there.
1: All right. According to this pleasant and famous history, there was once upon a time in the days of Henry I, one Thomas Cole, a wealthy clothier of Reading, who was used frequently to travel on his business between the town and London. Commonly, he journeyed in company with two intimate clothier friends, and he himself was a a worshipful man of honesty and great wealth and was... I wonder if they had clothier parties together <laughs> at the Ostrich Inn. Oh, just that word clothier.
2: Clothier. Clothier and two intimate friends mm-hmm. to see them doing
1: dress-ups. Mm, Sorry. Yep, that- just my mental musings. Yep, yep. So the three would usually dine at the Ostrich on the way to London and on return sleep there. So we are asked to believe that this businessman, Thomas Cole, on such occasions gave the money he carried into the care of the landlady overnight and that... By this misplaced confidence, he was marked down for destruction. Oh! So Jarman, the innkeeper and his wife, had long been engaged in what was rather delic- delicately styled the systematic removal of wealthy guests. Oh,
2: systematic removal mm-hmm. and uh, murder.
1: Yep, <laughs> and had devised an ingenious murder trap in the principal bedroom, by which the bed firmly secured to a trap door was in the dead of night when the house resounded to the intended victim's snoring, plunged suddenly into a huge copper field with boiling water pot placed in the room below.
2: So basically they got them rotten drunk, helped them up to bed, got them into bed, and there was this this contraption Mm-hmm. so that once that they were sound asleep, the bed angled up, a trapdoor opened and the body slid off the bed into a vat of um, water,
1: or I heard oil as
2: well, mm-hmm.
1: where they instantly died.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. So he was polished off, as Sweeney Todd himself would say, And should it happen that other guests of the night before asked after the missing one, they would be told that he had taken his horse early and gone away. they just left
2: early. They wanted to get home to the missus. Yes. So I've gone
1: home now. We saw. We did. This contraption. Made up as a little model. Yes. So they have this when you walk in, uh, the landlord at the time, which I don't think is the same landlord that it is that's there now because the whole place went up for sale again in 2020 was very open in telling us the story. We actually have a little video of um, some information that oh, he gave we? us. Yeah.
2: Oh, Oh, you'll have to pop that up on our Facebook page. Everyone yeah. head over to the True Hauntings Facebook page and we'll put that up a day or two um, after the
1: The um this this episode goes live. Yeah, so we did a little interview with him, and he took us up and around, and he showed us this contraption of how it worked. Yeah, Uh, we were allowed to stay in the room. Yes, they were so
2: generous with their time, weren't they? So was this the first or the second visit? This was the second visit. The second visit. Mm -hmm. They were actually um that into all of it that they allowed us to spend as much time as we wanted in that room Mm -hmm. because there was nobody there that night. That's true. And there's That's another true. whole story there, but we'll get to
1: that later. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: now, um, so they had this mischievous plan that anyone that was quite wealthy would literally be polished off, never to be found again. The victims, the victim's horse would then be taken to a distance and disguised. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you disguise a they horse. put a frock on it, or <laughs> <laughs> put a nice <laughs> necklace on it, and, and smacked it
2: on its <laughs> ass and said, "Off you go, honey." <laughs>
1: Um, and uh, the person's clothes would be destroyed and his body thrown into the coln or into the Thames. I'm
2: so laughing every <laughs> <time> say
1: <saying> coln. <laughs> I like coln. <laughs> and his money added to the fortune um, of the host and his wife. Now, see, here we have also a problem because here it says that, well, they drowned him in a, a vat of water, mm-hmm. which was allegedly boiling. A boiling vat of water or oil, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then his body was thrown into the local river. Yes. Um, but there are other stories where the body would go into the boiling vat of oil and mm-hmm. And then Mrs. Jarman would make pies.
2: Oh, see, that feels like a Sweetie Todd reference yes. to me. But the, yeah. um, I think they would only use oil if they were going to get good crackle out of it. <laughs> 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 oh, it would- <laughs> Mrs. Jarman, your crackle is sensational oh today. My- What's your secret? <laughs> oh, I can't tell you, love. <laughs>
1: They'd put me in jail if I told you what happened. <laughs> I marinated it in some
2: beer. That's how
1: I got Oh, it. my oh. gosh. You'd get a fellow coming in. Mm-hmm. Yep. He'd go into the room, mm-hmm. which they kind of called the condemned cell, <laughs> above the copper, and by the next morning would doubtless have been floating inanimate in the Thames. Oh.
2: So they said. Apparently there were um, the river ran right Underneath the house or right next to the house. Yes. But I don't remember seeing a
1: river when we were there. No. We didn't go out the back and have a look, though. No, we didn't. No. but We yes. didn't know
2: all this information. Well, we knew some of it but not the nitty gritty.
1: hmm Now, the other issue with this is when you dig deeper is that you find out that maybe not all is true. Right. I hope you're not going to ruin my bit. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. After inviting wealthy travelers to sleep on a specifically made hinged bed, Jarman would say to his wife, There is now a fat pig to be had if you want one. And she would answer, I pray you put him in the hogstay till tomorrow. The victim would then fall through a trapdoor into a vat of po- of boiling water. Mm-mm. 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 Soup. <laughs> Now, are you going to mention the story of um, uh, Derek Akora? Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, I I won't interrupt you then. Boy, do I have a story for you. I've got things. (laughs) I've got plenty of notes here, but um, it's probably the same sort of stuff that you've got. And, look, the most interesting thing uh, in this is the part about the ghosts and the stories. Yes. Well, Is it? <laughs> I think it's intriguing because now I feel really foolish. I having been there twice and going, oh, "We're in the room where it all happened." I know, I and know. then to find out that maybe not. Well, let's, <laughs> let's just just before we
2: jump to any conclusions, all let's right. weigh up the evidence that's there. Okay. Um, so first off, I'm going to report. The sightings, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. But um, I must say that when I was researching this, I just kept fin- finding the same stories over and over and yes. over. And I, I went from probably about thirty um, different links trying to find stuff, mm-hmm. and I went, I'm just going to have to draw the line. I haven't found the hook yet that I. That Mm -hmm. that normally makes me go, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, no, one more search. So I did one more search and I went into about three or four pages, the Google search, and I found it. I found my hook. (laughs) I got so excited. So now I've got 10 tonnes of information and I've got to try and
3: cut it down. So I'll try not to speak too fast, but. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
2: So one of the the victims that we we think we've seen there is Thomas Cole himself. Mm-hmm. Um and supposedly the the name of the town has been named after him, mm-hmm. Colebrook.
3: Colebrook. Cole-
2: <laughs> so it draws ghost hunters from all around the world. I mean, yes. we were one of them. Yes. Um and they they showed us the room where the tilting bed was located and um It supposedly has this strange, oppressive atmosphere, which was what I took the soundscape from. Mm -hmm. That was actually from um, somebody from the Ghost Club. So the Ghost Club, which is a very famous club in England, the Mm -hmm. oldest ghost club on record in Mm -hmm. the world. Um, They did their their monthly visit or whatever it was to a haunted location. It was the Ostrich Inn. Now, the... um, uh, the landlord, um, who was a diehard sceptic, you've always got a diehard sceptic in there, uh, first started working there and, and didn't believe any of it until he started hearing the strange noises and seeing ghostly figures and objects moving by themselves, all in a day's work at the Ostrich Inn, mm-hmm. um, to other ghosts that are reported is your traditional Victorian lady. You know Mm -hmm. how we've always got a Victorian lady Mm -hmm. as a haunt Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and a shadowy figure that seems to be wandering the upstairs corridor. Uh, Many of the staff at the ostrich, and we spoke to quite a few of them, Mm -hmm. and they're rattled Mm -hmm. staying there. They're really quite rattled working at the ostrich. They've entered locked rooms where the lights and electrical equipment are all switched on. Now, there's also the infamous ladies' bathroom, the ladies' loo. (laughs) Where um, apparently that would have been where Jarman stored the bodies. Right. So that gives you good
1: weight to the Mm reason that would be haunted Mm -hmm. there. Um, Oh, I remember being told about the ladies' loo. Because you had to go up some stairs. I think so, yes. To get to it,
2: yes. Yes. so, well, it actually says downstairs near the ladies' restroom. Um, there's been felt cold spots and some have felt that they're overwhelmed with feelings of despair. Uh, now, Mary Jarman, who is the wife, mm-hmm. uh, who would always say we've got a fat pig in the, the house today, mm-hmm. uh, she haunts the stairs and has apparently been sitting seen sitting at the top of the stairs. Um, also, there is a uh, report of... Um, a young girl as well. I don't didn't find much reference to her, but I just want to throw it out there that that's yeah you know, one. We've got a barmaid at the ostrich that refuses to use that toilet because she's felt an in, uh, an invisible female presence. There was actually a report of somebody who visited there uh, the bathroom. And she'd been washing her hands when she turned to see a woman in full Victorian dress standing just a few feet away from her. Uh It's terrifying. There's also a uh, report there of a black figure standing behind her boss as she was talking to them let me get onto the ghost club report it Mm -hmm. was like very thorough very impressed so the ghost club was there for quite a few hours and they had their psychics in there and uh one of the the psychics picked up on the fact that um that they had a a girlish laugh and they felt it was a, a girl around about the age of 16 um there's also descriptions of feeling watched um and there was a previous visitor who had been there that suggested there was a young girl who had hung herself. Mm-hmm. So that was in, remember that beautiful um, room upstairs, the function room with all the exposed yes. beams? That's yep. where she was meant to have hung herself. Then they've got their platform medium, Ken Marsh, who reported that there was a male presence in the bar uh, and he reported back to the team that his name was John and then he showed himself um, but he felt that there was no threat from John, whoever John was. And interestingly there uh, is a report later on about a paranormal team that went in there uh, in 2003 and they actually picked up on a John as well, who lived there during Queen Elizabeth the first
1: time. All right. Okay.
2: Now, let me just get into some of the, the various rooms. So there's a Jacobean room, which is up on the first room, and that's that uh, first floor, sorry, and that's that function room that we were talking about. They said that somebody did some crystal dowsing. Oh. I wonder what crystal dowsing I wonder if it's a pendulum. Probably. Yes. Seemed to suggest that there was one male and one other present. Feeling in the room is oppressive but not unpleasant, like being in a very crowded room. When spending some time in the room later on, Philip describes a feeling of many people and impressions of swathes of movement on the floor. Somebody also witnessed an orb. (laughs) Don't. don't. (laughs) She had the impression that this orb was an old man's bearded face. I think she zoomed
1: in too far. (laughs) Anyway... Let's 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 get on to the No look if she had seen it with her own eyes that's a different thing. That's a different thing. I remember that room really well. I thought it was quite beautiful, but I didn't feel anything in there. I didn't at feel all. anything either.
2: And no. look I have to admit that the room that was the uh, dreaded dastardly room. I felt nothing.
1: Yeah, but it 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 has been changed oh, so it has. much. It has. And kind of we spent a bit of time on the floor staring into the shower because that's where allegedly the bedhead and the trapdoor was. Cause it, the the room had been changed. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's the life of a paranormal investigator, sitting there for hours looking into the shower.
2: That's right, going, ooh, <laughs> did I just see an orb? Anyway, the Elizabethan room. So uh, one of the members felt that there was something hovering near the window. <laughs> then there was someone else who was sensing a condition to the left side of the head, which he likened to a heavy blow to the head and they could smell a very strong, pungent odour. Somebody farted. Uh, so yeah that was that was the sort of thing that happened in there then we have the stairs, the infamous mm-hmm. stairs we're supposed to see Mary Jarman sitting there and the area of the ladies toilet uh, Shirley and the rest of the group did seem to have results while dowsing mm-hmm. in the ladies loo uh, and they it's had not a, a lot of room in there. No, and they had the, the sensation that they were going to fall, that they were going to fall over, or the floor was going to drop. Shirley reported seeing a misty swirl on the ceiling over the <laughs> <laughs> I think- <laughs> did. I say something
1: funny? Oh dear! <laughs> I'm just thinking. <laughs> Why too many hot (laughs) ciders?
2: Oh (laughs) my gosh. Okay. Then we go to the attic. Uh, Did we get up to the attic? No. They were showing us doorways to everywhere. (laughs) Um, So they say he's. (laughs) (laughs) Several of the more agile and adventurous investigators. (laughs) (laughs) Those under 50. Took turns (laughs) going up into the attic. They said it was a bit dusty and constantly <laughs> gloomy. Fancy that. <laughs> uh, which could give you the false the sensation of something happening up there. Yep. They felt sudden drafts and cold spots, which is to be expected in panic, <laughs> I suppose. Um, oh, I but they did that. have an impressive sudden drop in temperature of over six degrees at one point. Ooh, <laughs> someone opened a <laughs> door. Oh, you'll be pleased to know that Ken, Ken, they're <laughs> oh, going to lose us. Ken sensed a great amount of energy up there and reported seeing green orbs. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and they 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 dubbed it um, Slimer. So Slimer was up in the attic. <sighs> um, now the wine cellar. Uh, everyone did feel uncomfortable, but it seemed calm and peaceful. <laughs> 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 Probably because they were drunk. Anyway, then we move on to the blue room. So that's the infamous room. Um, everyone sort of talking about um, residual energy, uh, feelings of foreboding, depression, distress, and de- com- discomfort. Um, so <laughs>
1: we got nothing. <laughs> <sighs>
2: oh, I love why we go to these places one, and there's there,
1: nothing. There was
2: one person oh. that actually went uh, uh, under a physical. Transformation, um, transformation, Transfigure oh. transfiguration. <laughs> really? Um, that they, they were sitting in a corner. Philip and Ian were sitting in the corner of the blue room and on camera. <laughs> underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it! How can I get through this? They underwent a great deal of profound and disturbing face changes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We've got the giggles. Nothing's going to go right now. All right. Now, look, I'm, I want to get over to to jump over to these parts over here. Like, There's lots of stuff there. They're all talking about, you know, it's, it's validating everything about the stories and yes. the feelings yes. and the terror and, and everything. Um, but I want to jump to this little spot here. Now, um, this is from a blog spot called Seeks Ghosts. Um, and they, they actually mentioned that this whole ostrich in thing reminds them of HH Holmes serial killer where he would be bumping people off at his um, uh, place that he mm-hmm. had accommodation at. They also mentioned they had all these little tidbits of information in there that Jarman um, would take the horse and clothes and sell them to the closed-lipped gypsies. Oh, And he would dispose of what was left of their corpses in a nearby river. But I hadn't heard the mention of gypsies in any other story. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they had a completely different reason for why they got um, caught because the original story, the reason they got caught was um, one of the, uh, somebody found the horse of Thomas. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, that's when they knew that something was amiss Mm -hmm. because the horse had apparently got out or something. Anyway. um, Mustn't have been. They didn't put a moustache on it to disguise it. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jarman was able to get away with these murders for many years until one traveller that fell asleep in the booby trap bed woke up, got out of the bed to use the chamber pot. Mm-hmm. As he turned, he spotted the, the head of the bed tilting down and saw the boiling bat below. The men's shouts awoke the other guests and Jarman's murderous activities finally came to an end. Mm-hmm. I saw that, no re- that report nowhere else. Mm-hmm. So just this blog spot. Mm-hmm. I think they're making shit up. <laughs> anyway,
1: let's keep coming. Well, I remember quite some time ago after we'd actually gotten back from the ostrich inn I did find somewhere and I looked really hard and I couldn't find it anywhere again the whole story about Mrs Jarman being hung
2: yeah, I remember them telling us about her being captured and she was still in her nighty, and they yes. took her out. They told us that. Yes, Yeah, yes. but anyway, look, I'm, I'm going to keep going with yes, the go uh, blog spot because mm-hmm. there are obviously such a wealth of information. So, mm-hmm. blog. So, they found this quote, which was an original account of the murders. So, mm-hmm. this is like a witness statement. Right. <gasps> Let me read it to you. It's in old English. The, the old <laughs> English. So, we're going to have to try and do my best. All right. This man should then be laid in the chamber right over the kitchen, which was a fair chamber and better set out than any other in the house. The best of bedstead therein, though it was little and low, yet was most cunningly carved and fair to the eyes. The feet were fast nailed to the chamber floor in such sort that it could not in any wise fall. The bed that lay therein was fast sewed to the sides of the bedstead. Moreover, that part of the chamber whereupon this bed and bedstead stood was made in such sort. "'that by pulling out of the two pins below in the kitchen, "'it was to be let down and taken up by a drawbridge "'or in manner of a trapdoor. "'Moreover, in the kitchen directly under the place "'where this should fall was a mighty great cauldron "'wherein they used to see their liquor "'when they went to brewing. "'Now the man appointed for the slaughter "'were laid into his bed.' and in the dead time of night, where they were sound asleep, by plucking out the four dead pins, down would the man fall out of his bed into the boiling cauldron, and all the clothes that were upon him were being suddenly scalded and drowned, he was never able to cry or speak one word. Then they had a little ladder ever standing ready in the kitchen, by the which they presently mounted into said chamber and there closely take away the man's apparel as also his money in his mail or capcase and then lifting up the said falling floor with hung by hinges they made it fast as before the dead body they would take presently out of the cauldron and throw it down the river which ran near unto their house whereby they escaped all danger. Now in the morning any of the rest of the guests that had talked with the murdered man over Eve chanced to ask for him as having occasion to ride the same way that he should have done. The good man would answer that he took a horse a good while before day and that he himself did set him forward. The horse of the goodman would also take out of the stable and convey him to a hay barn of his.
1: That's an amazing witness statement, Anne. Isn't it? How can you get that? Ooh, I have a theory. <laughs> now, this
2: is where I found <clears throat> the gold. Mm-hmm. And I want to jump now over to an article by the Fortean Times. Mm-hmm. Now, you didn't find this one, did you? Hit me. All right. So this is where I entered the rabbit hole. hmm so, uh, as I said earlier, the soundscape came from this particular person, uh, Dr. Tom Licence, uh, which uh, is from the 14 Times article. So, the first report of ghosts is actually from the 1970s. We've had no ghost stories before that time. Really? Mm-hmm. And there were even some uh, books that were written uh, about Haunted Inns and it, it never made it into that mm-hmm. those books either. But there was uh, a landlord in 1973 who told the author of the book Haunted Inns, I feel... There can be no doubt about the murders. A legend like that just can't start by itself. And uh, this uh, landlord, whose name was Lamont, showed the author a window in an upstairs toilet through which the Jarmans were said to have peered into the adjoining bedroom to check that their victims were asleep. And they have the working model of a tipping bed, which they keep in the bar, Uh, from a much earlier one which had worn out from age and use because it was a working model. Mm -hmm. So the ghosts were thought to be those of the guests who perished Mm -hmm. in that said cauldron. Mm -hmm. Now, that, of course, is going to attract TV shows to come Mm -hmm. and do their thing. Yes, it does. So in comes Most Haunted. Yes. So in 2002... They arrive with a vet, Fielding, and parapsychologist Jason uh, Jason Carl, and medium Derek Akora. Yes, oh, we do love Derek. Oh, we do love Derek.
1: Um,
2: So she, Fielding introduces the venue, setting the the story about you know all the the things that happened there. It's said that in the 14th century, an evil landlord called Jarbin committed gruesome murders. Uh, so Carl goes around looking for disturbances with the EMF fields. They've got the thermal guns out looking for cold spots. And then Derek arrives. Oh. And he immediately goes of into course, a trance. Of course. So um, they use he uses psychometry, whereas where you touch something and then you tune in. Mm-hmm. So Derek Okora tunes in and he picks up on the names. Jarman. hmm Thomas Cole. Mm-hmm. Jeez, he's good, isn't he? Oh, he's amazing. All right. So he said that Jarman was an evil man who killed lots of people. Then he was drawn to the kitchen with the aid of his spirit guide, Sam, um, where he becomes visibly distressed. Would you like to do an um, example of Derek Okora becoming distressed? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Is
1: that it? So
2: there he does go. Oh, no. You've never watched him? I've Come on. How can you be a him? proper
1: medium if no, you can't do I that? I have not the only thing that I've seen is um, Someone loves Dick. Oh, Mary loves Ma- Dick. Mary any, Mary loves we'll Dick. put that up
2: on our True Hauntings page. <laughs> you ha- have to watch I'm that. I've
1: only <laughs> seen it's Mary loves funny. Dick.
2: Anyway, um, uh, he's drawn to the kitchen where Sam becomes distressed and saying a lot of souls lost their lives here. He then begins to gasp for breath and enacts the experience of being boiled to death in a big tub. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, oh, Carl, but, asked, he says, Carl asked whether they can talk with Jarman, but the latter is unresponsive. Apparently Jarman doesn't want to talk. Um, and he said it was an oppressive experience. So then, of course, the Ghost Club comes in, as I mentioned some of their report earlier, and uh, they they do all their stuff, and they're, of course, drawn to the Blue Room as well. But let me read you something. About the year 1598, a writer, Thomas Deloney, published a novel called Thomas of Reading, in which the opponent's hero, Thomas Cole, is murdered by the innkeeper Jarman and his wife while staying at the, the crane in Colebrook. The couple, whenever they spied a rich guest, would set the fat pig in a special chamber above the kitchen where the bed was sewn to the sides of the bedstead, which was nailed to a trapdoor in the floor. By pulling two iron pins below, it would let down on the hinges the dead of the night, tipping the occupant into boiling cauldron beneath and killing him instantly. In Cole's case, however, the couple made a mistake, leaving the stable door open. Cole's horse bolts and is discovered. Jarman flees and his wife confesses to 60 murders. No. Can I just read that little bit again? (coughs) Published a novel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. called Thomas of Reading. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, let me go over. I've got more. Just play (laughs) buckle up, sister. We're going down. Um,
1: Derek's good. I have to say, Derek's fabulous. Derek is on point in this particular. Yep. He's read the book. He's he's read the book. (laughs) They've read the book and they've fed him so many lines it's ridiculous.
2: Oh, it's just so bad. Yep. So um, this particular author from the 14 Times, which was the Dr. Tom, uh, did some digging because, you know, he wanted to see. This particular author was well known for taking real stories Mm -hmm. and turning them into Novels. Uh, novels, right? Mm-hmm. So he wanted to dig down and see is there any actual facts to this story? So the first thing he did was to start looking to see if there was anyone by the name of Jarman associated with the ostrich inn. Because uh, in, the, in the book um, they don't actually mention the name Jarman until the very, very end. Mm-hmm. They refer to Thomas all the way through it. But not to the innkeeper. Uh, Yep. Parish records. So that, I mean, we're going back a long way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parish records mention no one of this name, either in Horton, the parish in which Colnbrook is situated, or Langley, its neighbour. There was a man with a similar name, John Germain, uh, in 1332, which is where I think we get all these different centuries from. Mm Uh, one of the richer parishioners, uh, and then again in the year 1575, the baptism of Jarmaine, which was a daughter of John Jarmaine. Uh, So no records. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But, I mean, it, it could have been. There could have been someone there from that time, but it's just maybe the records weren't kept as well as they could be. So there's also... No record of any Jarman or Jarmaine standing trial for murder at the, Lon- uh, at the London Assizes, nor of murders at the Ostrich Inn. In the novel, the culprits are, are hung. So there would be some sort of record. There would be. Mm-hmm. Of that happening.
1: <clears throat> and to add to that, in the book, it was never called the Ostrich Inn. Mm-hmm. It's called the Crane. Yes,
2: which they mention over at the very start there, the, um, the Crane in Colnbrook. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the story. Mm-hmm. So apparently there is um, some sort of murders that have happened. Uh, in the reign of Edward I, and that was in 1272 to 1307, the bodies of 13 murdered persons were supposedly taken from the ostrich To be hurled into the Thames. One slipped from the cart and landed on a strip of land called Welly, which separated the parishes of Horton and Datchett. Horton refused to bury the body because Datchett agreed to do so. Datchett that day claimed the land and received the rates for the disposal of the body. (laughs) I don't know, that was, but that's all we've got in relation to. These murders yep, or something. Yep. There's there's nothing else there. Yeah. So it does indicate that um, somebody has disposed of some victims or something, and it's it's possibly similar to the Jarman's um, story of throwing the and dumping the bodies into the river. But uh, it's it's sort of really sounds to me like a just. Dis- over boundaries of parishes and things like that and who owns what. But, yeah, um, so now let me go to this little quote. So going back to the Ghost Club report to give them a little bit of credit here, um, they did include an excerpt from the uh, book or the story, Thomas of Reading, uh, and this is what they've got here. Her wicked counsel was followed and when they had listened at the chamber door they heard the man sound asleep. All is safe, quoth they, and down into the kitchen they go, their servants being all in bed, and pulling out the iron pins, down fell the bed and the man dropped out into the boiling cauldron, he being dead, they cast his body into the river, his clothes they made away and all things as it should be. But when he came to the stable to convey thence Cole's horse, the stable door being open, the horse had got loose. And with a part of the halter about his neck and straw trusted under his belly as the ostlers has dressed him, O Eve, he was gone out at the back side, which led into a great field adjoining to the house. And so leaping Diver's Hedge as being a lusty, stout horse, he got into a ground where a mare was grazing, with whom he kept such a coil that they got into the highway where one of the town meeting knew the mare and brought her and the horse to the man that owed her. That sounds like they had a bit of a frisky time in the panic before they were caught. Anyway, they've cited this as to say that they think the ghosts and the legends are associated with this story, and that it's a true story, right? So that do you see where I'm getting at? That the Ghost Club is saying that because of this quote, mm-hmm. that um, the legends of the Ostrich Inn or the, this book
1: mm-hmm.
2: is based on a true story. Based on a true story, mm-hmm. take you back to the eyewitness account mm-hmm. that was quoted by the blog spot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I got online and I found this Thomas of Reading story.
1: Mm -hmm. It's word for word.
2: It's word for word Word from the story. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. So,
2: in actual fact, this whole ghost story Mm -hmm. is based on a story created by an author. Yep. There is no links to any living person or similar murder whatsoever in this whole wide world. Mm -hmm. And now we've got ghost hunters that are going in there who Mm -hmm. are getting evidence of this whole story. Mm -hmm. The uh, innkeepers are saying, oh, yes, this happened. This is the room where the bed was. We have uh, Yvette Fielding and her team who were apparently told about this Thomas of Reading book. Mm -hmm. They knew it was a story. But still they still went in with it. Yep. and Derek and Cora quoted the ghosts of the inn Yep, because he read the friggin' story. Yep. I'm actually somewhat disgusted.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, oh, my dogs. Say hello to my dogs, everyone. They've <laughs> obviously found um, a demon outside the door who they're trying to protect the realms from. So, Renata,
1: is this place haunted? <laughs> <laughs> now I feel... Even more stupid after doing this, sitting for an hour looking at the shower (laughs) in that room. I know. And look, the thing is, we got nothing, though, did we?
2: We We got nothing. No vibes whatsoever. And we stated that at the time. We said we're feeling nothing. And I I remember Cindy going, This is bizarre because this is such a horrific thing that happened here. Surely we'd be picking up on something that happened, but there was nothing. But we did have a terrifying moment for some guests in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we did. We did. We'd gone up into the room. We'd been allowed in by the landlord. He opened the door and said, stay as long as you like. So we had some gadgets on the bed and we were sitting down on the the floor. And the
2: room was full of EMF, by the way. Yeah,
1: it was. And prior to this, we had, had had dinner. And uh, the dinner was fabulous, delicious, wonderful. And I overheard a conversation um, with some people in um, uh, at a table nearby, and they were talking about the fact that this this was a haunted place, and they were a little drunk, and <laughs> things happened upstairs in the room. And maybe later on, we can go and just walk down the corridor and stand in front of the room and listen in. Well. While we're in there sitting quietly doing a silent vigil, we hear voices coming up the corridor and then they stop directly in front of the door that we are sitting Mm -hmm. on the other side of and we can hear the lady going, this is the room, this is it, this is where all the things happened, this is where the trapdoor was, this is where they fell down into the kitchen area below. And Anne and I just look at each other and go, will we, won't we, will we, won't we? Yes, let's do it. And so we've crawled over to the door. Well, I didn't crawl. I walked quietly. <laughs> and just as they're talking, we grab the handle, turn it, and we hear on the other side, oh! <gasps> Handles moving, and we opened the door, and screams ensued from all of them as they started to run down the corridor, going, Oh my god! We stopped them, of course, and went, It's okay, it's only <laughs> we're us. We're real,
2: we're real, <laughs> and we have a pulse, it's us, it's okay. <laughs> And then, and then we invited them in to, to do a little bit of ghost hunting with them. And they were in awe. They were taking photos of us and the equipment <laughs> yeah, and yep. everything. It was like, no, we're just happy for you to come and sit with us, guys. It's yep. fine. Come and experience what we do.
1: But, yeah, that was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was a gorgeous moment.
2: And then we stayed there the night but in a different room. And the yep. rooms themselves were beautiful. Yes. They were comfortable. Mm-hmm. The beds were lovely. The food's great. So, look, even though this hasn't turned out to be a true haunting I'd go again anyway because it's such a beautiful location. Mm -hmm. It's so close to Heathrow Airport. Yes, it is. And um, yeah, it it was a a great story that's then come from that whole experience. Mm
1: -hmm. But it is a story.
2: It is a story. And it's published online. You can read it. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of True Hauntings. I hope you have enjoyed this little bit of a true crime episode, it turned out to be. So we will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, please, please share this episode around. Let people know about us so we can build our audience Join us online on our Facebook pages and uh, also we've got some YouTube things there. We're live every week and you can ask your paranormal questions. So much to do with us, isn't there, Renata? There is. So until next time,
1: see you on the dark side. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network.